passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. everybody, J.J. Cooper, Jeff Ponce here, another Baseball America podcast, Winter Meetings edition. As the Winter Meetings are rolling, I, I say this, I'm getting ready, I'm, I'm finishing this, heading to the airport to head to Nashville for the Winter Meetings. Before I even get there, we've already had a trade, which we will discuss, but most importantly, we have Jeff and J.J. here. We're going to talk Rule 5, because it's Rule 5 week. Rule 5 is on Wednesday, we're recording this on Monday. So we'll give you a little bit of Rule 5 preview. We'll also talk a little bit about the draft lottery. And then this is also going to be a tech and baseball podcast because I also did an interview with what I, again, when I find an interesting project like product, I like to share it, uh, electrostimulation uh, uh, for athletes and elite athletes and how that's more than just for rehab. So what is an interview with uh, the CEO of Catalyst, a company that's doing that, but also uh, a strength and conditioning trainer, an expert. Yeah. Uh, who is also going to be on that on on that? So that's coming up later in the Baseball America podcast. But Jeff, as I was finishing my last Tigers report for the top ten that goes to the magazine into the magazine that goes to press sooner than I would like to admit. Last night, you were on Slack and several others were, and we were discussing uh, uh, Jerry Depoto was going to Jerry Depoto, which is his. The winter meetings kind of kicked off with a big trade from a standpoint of number of players. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe not necessarily the biggest trade as far as impact that we may see during the winter meetings. But what struck you about the Mariners-Braves trade that sees Jared Kelenic and Marco Gonzalez and Evan White heading to Atlanta and Jackson Coar and Cole Phillips heading to Seattle and let's also say, and a good bit of salary relief for the Mariners, mm. I think would be the other way to put it. Yeah, they lose, they take $19 million off their books. I don't think they're a better team with Marco Gonzalez. Evan White has not been in the picture since he signed that contract. Um, and, you know, I think Jared Kelnick needed a change of scenery. There were some moments last year where it seemed like he had reached a, a, a league average contributor at times maybe slightly better. Um, but this is not a guy that's lived up to the prospect hype. I mean, I, at one point I thought this was the top prospect in baseball kind of coming out of the pandemic. So, um, I'll take the L on that one. But that being said, you know, I think that this is the kind of trade. I think people are going to find a winner or a loser clearly say, Oh, the Braves are the winner. They get Jared Kelnick. They're going to fix him, And he's going to be, you know, uh, a, a, an all-star. I don't think that's necessarily what's going to happen here. We got to see. We got to see what Depoto is going to do. Um, to me, this looks like a deal that's setting other things up 
Um, it clears a lot of salary space. They got rid of Eugenio Suarez. Obviously, they didn't offer the non-tendered or didn't uh, didn't offer um, uh, 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 tendered to to Oscar Hernandez. So there's a handful of players here who underperformed and are, if we really look at it, like not incredibly well-rounded players that they could potentially upgrade. I think it's interesting to see what they could do on their side. The Braves take a chance at an outfielder. I know Eddie Rosario is a free agent. Kelnick comes in and replaces him. That's not so bad. You know, I know Carlos has some some thoughts on on Cole Phillips. I am he hasn't pitched. I am not willing to completely write off a guy that was 97 to 100 no. miles an hour with a hammer breaking ball and had an injury as a prep. You know, um, I, a lot of people didn't know who Jesus Lazardo was after he got injured and then came in and he's now a very good man. No, I, I will. It's yeah, the Mariners. I will say that they're not dumb. Right. That that said. I again, I get it. Like this is a let's see what Seattle does next. If I'm a Seattle fan though today, I'm also a little bit bummed because that if you're the Braves, let I'll look at it from the Braves perspective, and they're getting Jared Kelenic in the perfect way to get Jared Kelenic, which is okay. He is not as good as uh, Julio Rodriguez. We have established that. That is now clear. That was something that was always kind of the the friendly rivalry between those two. You had two top outfield prospects coming up. But he goes from a team where that was always going to be part of the story, and now you add to it that he also missed significant time last year on a team and making a playoff run because he, uh, in a moment of uh, of, of frustration, uh, broke a bone and uh, missed time for that. So you have all that, and now he goes to a team where it's like, Fear Koenig, we're not asking you to be a star. We're asking you to be the sixth best player in the lineup, seventh, because Matt Olson, Ronald Acuna, Ozzy Albies, Austin Riley, those, Michael Harris, those guys are all, you know, take your their take pick of their catchers. They're all higher up on the pecking order than Jared Kelnick. All they need Jared Kelnick to do is to match or try to better the production they got from Eddie Rosario and Kevin Pillar last year. And while you, if you are looking at Marco Gonzalez and hoping he'll be a star, I think you're probably asking too much, but the Braves are like, we just want durable, hopefully reliable back of the rotation innings. And I'm, I'm not sure he can give them that, but at the same time, they need options there because their biggest problem is not actually crazy enough. The front of the rotation, their problem is the back of the rotation. So, and and the other part that is fascinating in this is, is that Jackson Coar is almost becoming like a unit of measurement in trades now, which is, is that in trades where salaries are being shifted and all, Jackson Coar gets included. He's now been traded twice this offseason. He was traded to the Braves from the Royals. He's now been traded from the Braves to the Mariners. There may still, as bad as his big leagues have been so far, there's still a chance this was a was a at one point a very intriguing prospect. Maybe someone figures something out from him. But again, this is as you said, more than anything, this is the moving of the money here is kind of the giant, not subtext. That may be the that that may be the trade. And then the players that move are almost the subtext in this trade. But it is an interesting way 
to start what may be a very interesting week of the winter meetings. You know, we're, we'll see if we get a Juan Soto trade. We'll see if we get a Shohei Otani signing, uh, you know, a Yamamoto signing. There's a lot of things that could happen in the, well, not, not Yamamoto probably as much, but they're more likely at Otani. But there could be a lot of things that happen this week. But one thing, Jeff, that we do know that will happen, there will be a Rule 5 draft. There will be a Major League Rule 5 draft. And let's just be, there are probably no two people out there who enjoy this more than you and I. And let, like you, you, you never fully know what you miss until it's gone. And not having a Major League phase for the Rule 5 draft does mean that it's hard not to be excited to have the Rule 5 fever. Even if, let's just also be honest, the pickings are slim this year, aren't they? Hmm. And we wrote about this last year. I think I, I had an article talking about, you know, how poor the Rule 5 draft was going to be in a year and how much they were impacted by the 2020 draft because your college players predominantly are the players more often than not that are desirable mm-hmm. Rule 5 picks. Guys who might be on the line in a deeper system, in injuries, you know, something they fall by the wayside. Hudson Haskin, who's available this year, is kind of the perfect example. A guy who's really good in double A in 2022, had some draft pedigree. Maybe he hasn't set the world on fire, but can play a bunch of different positions. There aren't a lot of other guys like him that are available this year that were draft picks, you know, that just deeper system, whatever, 40-man roster crunch, injury, weird things happen. Not a lot of guys like that this year at all. Um, there's a lot of repeat players. Some of the better players digging through the numbers, JJ, are like three-time eligible hitters and pitchers. You know, once is fine, especially when they're like on the international side. They are eligible very young and often are only an A-ball, and it's not a not a prudent decision for a team to take those guys. Sorry, AJ Preller. Um, but I think when you take a step back and you look at what's available, this might be a draft where there's five or six picks. It wouldn't shock me if it's the shortest rule five ever. I mean, what's the, what's the least amount of, no, 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 not the ever, but the shortest rule five in quite a while. Okay. What was, what was uh, the last ever you know the history much better than I do ever. There were some years in the seventies where it got pretty, pretty, pretty grim. If it's before uh, I was, born, again, it the, doesn't count. The funny, the funny thing about all this is, is the rule five draft. When we say this, like, and we say, Oh, this is the busiest rule five. No, we'll never have the busiest rule five ever because back when it was just the draft, because there was no, amateur draft yet back when it was just the draft there were years in the 50s and 60s where they kept changing the rules and if you sign players they were trying to limit signing bonuses and so it was something where at one point if you sign for over a certain amount of money you were unless you were on the 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 major league roster you were eligible the next year wow now so i mean it was like tons of players getting taken and things like that but yes under the current format it could be one of the the modern rules, it could be one of the, the thinnest and, and shortest in quite a while. I even, even on the minor league phase, which, to be honest, a lot of times when you talk to, to, to officials with teams and all, they get really excited about the minor league phase because there aren't the roster restrictions. The player, you just draft them, pay the little bit of money, and that player is now part of your team. And even there, there's less. Because I, the way I would put it is, is the Rule 5 draft has... If you think of it like a river, it's a river that has a confluence of multiple tributaries that feed into it, mm-hmm. right? And the international signings 
are one major tributary. And that one, I would say we're still in a relatively fertile, that, that, that the flow of the water from that, there's not a drought coming from that side because that's the 2019 class, largely, unless you're really a late signee. And that's fine. That was a normal year. The high school class, I do think is always kind of a smaller form of a, you know, a smaller tributary for the rule five, because the high school guys are a little, you know, are, are often not as polished as the college guys in the rule five. There are still some that succeed in all that, but it's less of what feeds the rule five. And then, as you said, the college class, that first year college class is a big tributary that flows into this river, mm. feeding the rule five draft. And we have a five round draft and some non-drafted free agents are the first time eligibles for that. And that just to go from 40 rounds, which we had in 2019 to five, it's like that, that, re- that wound through the, the, the Mojave and it just dried out. And the other thing too, is there was no rule five draft. My first, my first few months here, there was no rule five draft mm-hmm. in 2021. So there were players that ended up back in their organizations maybe didn't get protected because they had to protect more players. They had draft picks and international exactly. that pushed their way to the majors and onto the active roster. And so then you had guys like Ryan Nody had all these other players. So the difference is really stark when you look at 2022 versus now where like I had told you last night, like for like a week before the rule five draft, I had anxiety every night that I was missing good players that were going to get taken, which happened this year. I don't, I don't have the same anxiety because I'm like, I don't know unless they're drafted another guy, you know, like the, 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 the Cardinals pick from Mexico or somewhere like that. That's just off the radar and still on a contract. That's really the only guys that I'm probably going to miss. in most of my research, because some of those is just, that's pretty, that's pretty hard to figure out unless you have, unless BA had scouts down in Mexico working, working the Mexican league. So I, I do want, we're, obviously, if you check out, we have version 3.0 up right now. We're going to keep adding to it. At the same time, we're not slacking, everyone. I, I'm, we're not, with the fact that we're not going to have 100 names there this year is not because we've ceased caring, that we've ceased trying to do things on this. It's just because there aren't as many names this year. There's not, we are... This was not a fertile crop, not because players forgot how to play in 2020, but because a five round draft means a lot of those players got pushed to 2021. Let's see what we see next year. But the other part with this is, so I do want to ask you though, with that, you mentioned Hudson Haskin. Is there a Jeff Ponce special? If there, last year, Ryan Noda was your guy. Yeah. Is there someone who you're like, who's, who's your player? in this year's class? You know, I think Hudson Haskins. Or do you have one? I, I think I have probably have a few. There's probably five or six different players that I, I would potentially go after. Um, I think Hudson Haskins is really interesting. And one of the reasons I think Haskin is as interesting as he is, is I think there's a chance that if he had a full healthy season and produced in Norfolk, and there's no reason based on his history to think that he wouldn't at least be pretty good the previous season over 109 games full season at double a buoy. And I will hammer this until I'm blue in the face. I think the Eastern league is, if it's not the best competition in the minor leagues, it's one of the two or three best leagues in terms of talent, you know, uh, uh, game management. They actually play games. There's actually solid defensive play. There's good pitching. 
he hit 264, 367, 455, um, plays all three outfield positions, can certainly play center field. There's there's no questions about that. And he only played 33 games this year, hit 287, 394, 443. I think he meets the standards for defensive ability. He can run. There is some hit tool. There is some hit ability there. He's got some on-base ability. Not a huge power guy, but probably enough impact that it plays. I think there's definitely starting outfielders on some teams, but definitely, you know, fourth outfielders, bench guys that Haskin is better than. So I think he's a clear upgrade. And really when we're looking at the rule five draft, the question I've really come back to time and time again this year, would this guy be a clear upgrade from somebody who's on a bottom five to 10 roster? And I think Haskin could be an upgrade from some of those guys and has some upside as well. And just when you look at age, you look at his track record, I don't know if he's necessarily over his head. He just had a poorly timed injury and, you know, how he recovers from that is obviously, you know, what the big question is there. Um, but I do think he's, he's pretty interesting. It was a hip injury. He had surgery for it. I think it was in May or June. Um, so by the time the season starts, it's going to be about what eight months or so. So, you know, hopefully he has a full off season. He's an interesting player to me. I think he's probably the guy, the more I come back to it, he's the one I'm most interested in. There's some other pitchers as well. Um, okay, where you get one, you get one. If you want more, you got to go to the rule five preview. So, and I will say with that, the one thing that is always difficult for us on this, and we lay this out, try to lay this out every year, we don't get the medicals. So, like mm. in Haskins' case, the biggest thing that might stand in his way is that a team says we want to take Hudson Haskin, and their medical side says we don't want to risk the workers' comp, and that gets turned down. Like that's crazy, but that does happen. Right. So like I've had years before where I'm like, why is this player not going to be taken? And I've had after the draft, someone come up to me and say, look, the reason he didn't is, is that the medical is such that teams are unwilling. Like we talk about how low risk in some ways, the, I, I say you could really toot a, a rule five pick a major league rule five pick as almost like a minor league infight of a veteran who doesn't have any options left in that you bring him to camp. If it doesn't work out, no biggie. And if it does, great. It's a roster spot. There's a roster spot value. I, I would, should point out on that, unlike a minor league invite. But the, the medical is where sometimes teams will say, we're not willing to take that player because there could be insurance or health, you know, insurance, you know, health medical cost mm-hmm. that we're not willing to take that risk. But I do like think Haskins a good one. Uh, mine, my one guy is Blaine Krim, uh, Rangers uh, first baseman. You could say first base, third base. I'm just going to say first base. But again, what you said, I completely agree with what you said. If you're taking a rule five pick because you hope that you bring them in, you stash them on their roster, you send them back to the minors and they develop into something. That is like, I'm going to take my life savings and I'm putting it on uh, 22 on the roulette wheel because <laughs> It the 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 track record of success with that is just so small. The successful rule five picks year in, year out are players who that first year you have them may be their best year. We don't know if Akil Badu is ever going to have a year as good as his rookie year, but we can say that the Tigers got value out of Akil Badu because for them he was a productive player for the major league minimum in his rookie year. With Ryan Noda, Ryan Noda's already given value. Um, you know, Garrett Whitlock in year one. There's 
players like that like, to have an Anthony Santander who's ended up being a productive long-term player. That's the dream. That's hard to get, but like a Blaine Krim to go back to what you said, it, this is a guy who's got triple a time who has been a consistent hitter throughout the minor leagues may not be a star, but has a chance to be a productive big league player in 2024. That's what you're looking for much more so than the player who's well, there's a lot of tools here. He played an A ball last year, and we hope that down the road he'll develop into something. To which I bring up, remember Elvis Luciano. I can do others, yeah. but Elvis Luciano, who the Blue Jays roster quirk, a contract quirk meant that his deal had been renegotiated. Once that happens, you were then Rule 5 eligible. Royals left him off. Blue Jays took him, stashed him in their uh, bullpen as a 19 year old. And that was kind of probably. So far, that has been the highlight of Elvis Luciano's major league career. You look at a player like that and say, did you really get a whole lot of value out of that by carrying that player for a full year? That's what often happens with the stash type player. But Jeff, the other thing that we have in the BA realm coming up is we also have Tuesday night will be the draft lottery. And we have a piece up at baseballamerica.com. You can check it out right now kind of looking at this, especially from the A's perspective, how the A's were the team that got screwed by the lottery last year because they were under the old format. They had to pick second and they ended up picking sixth. And oh yeah, by the way, it was a play of the draft that had five top players. If you pick fifth, you got Walker Jenkins. If you pick sixth, you had your choice. Again, there's going to be everyone else. Some of those guys are going to end up being very good players, but you wanted to pick the top five, not sixth in that draft. This year, the A's again have an equal chance as anybody of the top three teams of having the number one pick. But if they're if if you're one of those few diehard A's fans who have not basically cashed it in because of your revulsion over the the move to Vegas, you do not want to see them show up as pick five or six. We explain that at baseballamerica.com. But the other part of this, uh, Jeff, is is like I I'll kind of tee you up on this, which is, is, but the flip side of that was the twins were supposed to pick in the teens last year and they picked fifth. What does winning the lottery mean potentially for a team to have like a, a, a pick like that, where you go from a middle of the first round to a top of the first round? I think it can save jobs and make potentially make careers for some GMs and, front office people. I mean, you know, like you take a look at last year. Okay. And I know we were, we were, you were in the room. Um, you were the pool reporter. That's the correct term uh, for the law. I'm doing that. looks like I'm doing that again this year. Excellent. Like, so I'm looking forward to being sequestered. So you are, uh, you were sequestered in there. You, you understand what's going on. And if I'm not mistaken, the Red Sox were really, really close to having the number one pick. And I wonder if High and Bloom, he might have gotten fired anyway. High and Bloom leaves San Diego with the number one pick and not Xander Bogarts. Are things a little different from him? I don't know. Very it potentially. Be, especially if he has a draft where he can get Skeens, Cruz, Wyatt Langford, whoever he preferred. Those are all players you can sell to your fan base. And will get people excited. And then this is a team that needs a player that gets people excited and drives headlines. I honestly think that 
it could change the, the it could change the face of your franchise. The Oakland Athletics with any of those three players, all of a sudden they are not the type of system that they have right now. They're not being rated the way that they're being rated right now because they have, you know, that, you know, sort of figurehead, their top guy who's a real top guy. And this was a draft that impacts that. There's other years where you maybe don't even care if you get a top five pick because there might be a guy at six or seven you like better and you can get him a little bit cheaper and whatever. Um, it might give you more money to play with down the board, which is obviously what's different about this versus other ones. But this was a year, I think, in, in 2023, this draft and a lottery in 22 really impacted the future of a lot of organizations. The Rangers get picking where they did. A hundred percent. And honestly, the best pick in the draft might have been three. You let other people make the decision and you take the guy that falls to you. No one's going to fault you for taking the, the third guy of the of the triumphant there at the top. Tigers go three, they get Clark Langford for the Rangers yeah. at four Jenkins yeah. to the twins at five. So that again, that's all of I those the, are picks. Tigers that, took, yeah. took Clark at three. I keep on thinking it's, it's Langford. How could anyone pass on Langford? <laughs> but, but I do think though, what, to what you said, because of how the ping pong balls bounced with one ping pong ball to go, the team that had the best chance of, the first pick was the Boston Red Sox. And I do think that that would have changed things, which seems crazy. And by the way, for if you are not a fan of conspiracy theories and drafts and all that, I am kind of relieved that that didn't happen because that would have seemed absurd. It's like you do this for the first time. But the flip side of this is, is like last year was a, was looked at as a stack draft at this moment. Now, some of the names changed. Like, at this time last year, if you're talking about the depth of this draft, you probably would have mentioned Chase Dollander's name before Paul Skeens, and those flipped, mm -hmm. right? But we, you would have said Dylan Cruz and White Langford was very good, but maybe not considered on that same you know, level, and then he was. So there was a little tweaks. That said, this year's draft right now does look to be multiple notches below. We'll see how it plays out, but it is multiple notches below right now. And that's where my point, again, check it out, baseballamerica.com, how the A's could win by losing. If you pick one, you're thrilled to pick one. If you're the Tigers and you're, you know, like for instance, or the Pirates who are the other two teams who could lose their pick next year, lottery pick next year, if they, because you can only pick a revenue recipient revenue sharing recipient can only pick in the top at the lottery two years in a row not a third and those three teams if they win a lottery pick this year that flips it over that they will then not be eligible for next year's lottery if you get one hey great if you're a team that doesn't think that you're gonna have a chance at the lottery pick next year great if you're the a's you sure do not want to see that card flash up that says with the sixth pick the oakland a's will select you know that's the nightmare scenario i think in in many ways it will be fun to check out we got a lot more we'll have coming from nashville but also from everywhere because it's top 10 season we're rolling out we're already as you listen to this we're already we're we've rounded second we are heading into third if you think of the the bases as our analogy here i hope with our, our listeners 10. know about the bases i hope I, I would hope, but we're basically, the NL is all up. 
we're wrapping up the AL East tomorrow, Tuesday, as we record this on Monday. We're on to the AL Central. You're going to turn around. If you're a Baseball America subscriber, you're already going to have 30, sorry, 300 updated reports. And by the way, we don't stop there. Then you're going to turn around in January and you're going to have 1,200 reports, 900 full scouting reports, another 300 that'll be up there as well. So it's all coming and it's all coming fast. And by the way, that's before we leave. The other part coming up is, is Jeff, if you're also a subscriber, what do we have coming on the dynasty front for fantasy? We are uh, kicking off our dynasty rankings uh, tomorrow, actually. So during this week, we're going to put out a, uh, a top 50 for dynasty, and then we're going to roll into the positional rankings. Um, we're going to have some supplemental content, uh, content uh, that follows up each ranking, kind of looking at um, some buys, some some players that were fading or avoids, and then some sleepers, et cetera, that sort of thing. Uh, and we're going to roll right through the position rankings through the end of December, doing uh, catchers, first base, second base, and then we'll finish off the positions in January. And at the end of the month, you will have a full big old dynasty list. I don't have a number yet. We'll see how big the number is once we compile all of the names and everybody we feel needs to be ranked. But uh, an appropriate list that will help you get through a full entire dynasty draft. Uh, and it will be updated throughout the offseason. So we're going to be, I think, finishing our dynasty rankings the same week within a couple of days of when we started them last year. So having that full off season with Dylan is great. And I think I'm really excited for what we're going to put out there. Cause there's not many guys main of the dynasty side better than Dylan. Main event winner, Dylan white. Uh, I will just drop that yes. in there again, because that is amazing. So, well, that's kind of wrapping up our preview portion of this, but do stick around after the break. We're going to be back with an interview with our tech in baseball portion of today's Baseball America podcast. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. That's why I use Indeed for our hiring at Baseball America. It allows me to do everything on one website. I get quality candidates. I can schedule them. I can interview them. I can screen them. I can send messages to them all within Indeed. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody, J.J. Cooper, as we often do here on Baseball America's podcast, we love to do kind of the tech and baseball podcast. I'll say I love to do the tech and baseball podcast because I am always looking. I'm always fascinated to see. I remember years ago looking at what are these strange blue cameras that I'm seeing at games? And it's like, oh, that's that's a high speed camera that can record it rates that you haven't ever seen before. Okay, let's dive into that. Or what is it? Why, you know, why were you now hearing of VAA and and different things? And there's always new technology coming to sports, coming to baseball. And I always kind of want to learn more about it. And that's what we're doing here today, because kind of as part of this winter meetings preview, I'm kind of bringing this up partly because I had a meeting last year at the winter meetings where I first heard about this, which is Catalyst Fitness. And Today, we're going to talk about kind of a, a, a training device. And I want to make clear this is not SponCon. This is something where I'm interested in it. Catalyst did send me a, a device to use for a while because I wanted to understand what it works like. But there is no, this is not an advertisement or anything like that. But I'm very happy to be joined today by Bjorn Waterman, who is the CEO of Catalyst, but also strength and conditioning uh, expert who works with elite athletes, including Major League Baseball af- athletes. Joey Graney, who is also here to talk about it kind of from the the end user perspective, but also the trainer perspective. So thank you both of you for for joining here on the Baseball America Tech in Baseball podcast. Thank you for having us. Thank you, JJ. So so Bjorn, I do want to start with you because I could try to describe this. I I will give a short layman's description, which is, is this is a device. This is a device that allows you to do workouts, but also do recovery with a suit that you put on that basically covers your arms, your torso, your legs, and then uses what I would say electricity, basically. I'm giving the true, but you could now explain it in a much better way than I. How would you describe if someone's just listening to this and going, so what is a catalyst device is? What is a catalyst device? So... Uh, Catalyst is a electromuscle stimulation suit. Um, what we use is something that in physiotherapy has been used for 60, 70 years. Um, we j- call it stim or e-stim or something like that. So after you got an injury, uh, you need to rehabilitate your local muscle, like let's say your your tore hamstring or your um, had a strain on your calf or something like that. Um, you generally put these sticky pads on you and you basically rehabilitate your muscle. And the way it works is, so the human body is basically an electrical computer, if you think about it. So the brain is like, those are all electrical signals that go through between the different neurons. And the nervous system is an electrical pathway system. And um, these signals uh, tell the muscles basically what to do. Uh, we also have two other nervous systems, which is like, for example, the sensory nervous system. So when uh, when we feel something, there's an electrical signal being sent from your fingers back to your brain and that you can feel like heat, cold, pressure, like all these things. And then there's uh, a third nervous system that we cannot control, which like, for example, controls your heart or your stomach and, and so on and so forth. But basically the human body is an electrical computer. And we 
have been using um, certain signals to rehabilitate local muscles uh, for about 60, 70 years. And uh, about 20 years ago, uh, some individuals thought like, uh, in Germany where I'm originally from, why are we waiting until we get injured to use this? So why are we not using this on healthy muscles to like strengthen them or um, balance out the body from you know imbalances that we have in the body or train really really hard to reach muscle groups like you know the core or like you know upper glutes or like you know certain areas like around the shoulder that are really really hard to train. And uh, about 11, 12 years ago, uh, I had a corporate job. I'm not from fitness. I'm a uh, behavioral economist in tech. So I do human behavior at scale and, you know, uh, I was in tech. And because I had teams in 15 countries, I was I was running technology for Deutsche Telekom, uh, technology innovation, and that's the parent company of T-Mobile. Um, we have like 14 other T-Mobiles in other countries. Uh, so I was just basically 150 days a year on a plane. Uh, and my lower back totally blew up for the second time in my career. And uh, I was in, in miserable pain and uh, was on painkillers 20 days a month. And uh, I was a runner. I was relatively in shape, but uh, my, my lower back was, was really, really bad. And my physician said, like, hey, go to this personal training studio and, uh, and you have to strengthen your core because otherwise you're going to end up with a herniated disc or we have to proceed surgery within a year or two. Uh, I was 35 years at that time and that was not a good news. Um, so I went to this place and what I experienced was the first generation of full body electromuscle stimulation training. So people have basically put the tech that we use for rehab into a suit setup and in this suit setup, um, the suit covers all your major muscle groups. So your arms, biceps, triceps, so and then everything around your shoulder like traps and then packs, abs, uh, lower back, like erectospinae and like those muscles and then glutes, hamstrings, quads. And while you're going through basic calisthenic motions like a squat, an air squat, or like a butterfly or a crunch, you know, everything in a standing position, the, the suit intensifies your muscle contraction. So it helps your muscles uh, activate. And that does two things. So first of all, it intensifies the load on the muscle, but it also teaches your body like how it's supposed to feel. Because now you're like, oh, this is how this is how this muscle is supposed to feel. And like so it has as to it has a training effect and it also has a teaching effect. Um, so I did this and I was like super skeptical. So first of all, like my when my doctor told me about this, like it does this, 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 this. And then by the way, the workouts just last 20 minutes. And I was like, okay, now you lost me. This is too good to be true. Like, you know, this doesn't exist. And uh, and he said, No, 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 please go. So I went did my first class and like three minutes into the experience, I was like, whoa, like I've never felt my body like this. Like it's like everything is on and like you're super aware. And, and I was just totally fascinated. And the 20 minutes like literally flew by. I was like, you're busy with doing things and you're doing new exercises and you're fighting against your own body. And I'm like, I was like sweating five minutes in like dripping in front of me. And I was like, how, how on earth? Like, you know, how is this happening? And then two days later, I was sore as never in my life. Like I was like literally like I was like I spent 20 minutes standing basically and and moving in this suit and I have soreness as if I spent hours in the gym, literally hours in the gym. Absolutely fascinated. Gave my doctor a call like what the hell is up? Like, why is, does it feel this way? And he said, you know, you just broke down a lot of muscle fibers that you've never used. Like that basically are like dormant that are like, you know, not really functional. So you're really cleaning up your body and you're really training your body. 
cool. So I signed up. I did it every Monday at 6 p.m. And after six weeks, I woke up. So for context, I had horrible pain all the time, like I said. So when I got out of bed, I did this weird roll sideways and then I tried to get out because I couldn't sit up and, and, and stuff like that. And after six weeks, like one Sunday morning, I told my wife, um, I haven't taken a pill in a week and I can get out of bed properly. And I was like, how is that possible? I spent like six times 20 minutes in this thing. Miracle. Like I was absolutely fascinated by it. Um, and then the other thing that I was fascinated by is that I was training. First of all, I was a person who didn't have time. I was traveling all the time. And now I found a thing where I can put a lot of training in a short amount of time. And, uh, and a lot of us travel a ton and you know having good workouts while you do this is, is really hard and the other thing that i was fascinated by who else all came like it was all people from all walks of life there were like young people who were like you know semi-athletes and then there were like elderly people in it like so i was really really fascinated by it so the technology really allows you to activate your muscles um, very controlled and the best uh, aspect of that for me personally is uh, it has no joint loading. So because my lower back is like I have a L345 condition, so I can't lift. Um, so I'm not really lifting heavy loads. So I, well, what I needed for my body stature, like, you know, I couldn't lift. Like, you know, those heavy loads, like, I just couldn't do. So I can now fully train my body at, at really hard intensities from a muscle strain perspective that I want. Uh, but I don't have the joint impact and uh, I don't have an injury risk because I'm not heavy loading. Bad form get, doesn't get punished. Um, and, and, and that's what I found uh, with full body MS. And I thought this has to become mass market and this has to become available. And I also found out that it didn't exist in the United States um, that summer because I was in the US and um, with my wife and we were four couples in LA and we were sitting together and the ladies started to talk about fitness and I'm doing Zumba and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And like, you know, this was like 2012. And then my wife said, like, I'm doing this, like, EMS thing where I have, like, you know, the suit on and, like, you know, you, you like you, everything is a bit tighter and everything is a bit firmer and, like, you know, I love it and it's, like, short and, like, no one is judging. And, and the other ladies were like, what, what are you talking about? And I just overheard the conversations, like, this doesn't exist in the U.S. So there's something that is absolutely working, that's injury risk-free, that's fast and, like, it doesn't exist. Like, how on earth? Did some research and for context, why, why is it so late in the United States? Um, the FDA started regulating powered muscle stimulators in 1999 um, because there were claims from very bad products in the 80s that you get rock hard apps from an app belt like that runs over like a watch battery for half a year. Like how on earth is that supposed to go? Um, so um, I, I remember a couple of those. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> seeing those, those on TV and right? in, like, in the back of magazines. Yeah, exactly. So so those were clearly gimmicks, uh, but you know marketing people went very far with it and said like, you know, hey, this is what you're going to get out of it. So it got regulated, uh, but mostly from a claim perspective, not from a, uh, but mostly from a claim perspective. And um, therefore, it just arrived much later. So I decided, <coughs> sorry, I decided to, you know, do this, um, build a product around this, form a team, come to the US. Um, and we did that. And that's uh, the other part of the story. But uh, yeah, so a, a very innovative technology where we're really changing the way how we work out. We're not just lifting anymore. We're not just running and throwing things and so on and so forth. We're like actually working with the muscle 
and uh, yeah, package this in a, in a really usable training product. As truly a layperson, not an elite athlete in any way, um, we, the thing that did strike me when I started using it is, is my wife was a college athlete and we would go to the gym every now and then together. And anytime I tried to use weights or anything like that, she just winced because she's like, you're not doing it right. You're going to get hurt. And there is a relief when I was doing this. We're like, okay, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do something where I throw out my back because I did a squat wrong or anything like that. But kind of with that though, that we're not, you know, I, I want to kind of ask you, Joey, speaking of the elite athlete, as I said, which I am not one of, but this is where, you know, again, from the baseball perspective, one of the things that stands out to me about this is not, you know, how it can help a out of shape, uh, you know, middle-aged person like me, but what this can mean for an elite athlete, a baseball player, not just baseball, obviously, but what it can mean for an elite athlete and how this works and how this can, can tie in for them. And that's obviously something that you have experienced. And if you would kind of just lay out a little bit of, of kind of, of your background and all and kind of how you found and, and how you use Kettler. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's this technology is it's, it's an absolute game changer uh, in the sports performance field. It's only going to catch on and grow uh, throughout all the teams uh, and throughout all the uh, sports uh, in, in, at the professional level and at the uh, youth amateur level. Um, but if you look at, you know, athletics and in, 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 in particular baseball, we play 162 games. It's a long season. Uh, and we got to keep these guys at the top of their game. Um, so in addition to their normal training, their strength training, their mobility, their flexibility, their power training, this technology will be able to help us continue to make forward progress on those days that, you, you, you know, ne you won't necessarily want to load up a player and um, include a lot of uh, joint uh, stress. Um, you can simply put on the suit and in 20 minutes have a full blown workout um, and activate 90% of muscle fibers. Um, so leave that athlete feeling fresh, feeling healthy to go out and to compete and to perform at a high level. Um, and there's so many different modes um, with the device, with the suit, like you mentioned, uh, with the recovery, with the recovery aspect, um, being able to put this on after a game and to just put it into recovery mode and to be able to walk around uh, in whatever clubhouse you're in and then be able to take that off, go home, have a good meal, get a good night's sleep. Uh, so the benefits are, are tremendous in building muscle, increasing strength, developing power, um, and being able to, to, to uh, simply add it into a program that you're already doing. Uh, it's, it's simply amazing. It kind of, you said that with recovery, obviously that's a different goal, right? So like if you're at one, I, I got two questions. I'll ask the first one first and I'll just remind me that I got another one to do, but when it comes to recovery, the goals of recovery are not to really work the muscle hard, right? It's more of to drive out, to clear out lactic acid and, and things like that after you know after a game like if you're a pitcher and you you just threw 95 pitches the goal for that post game is very different than the goal of hey it's a lift day right absolutely yeah i mean like i said you can put this suit on for 10 20 minutes after the game uh and put it in that recovery mode it's going to stimulate muscle fibers uh at a low intensity um get your heart rate up just a little bit but it's all at a low intensity 
um, and then you can, um, you know, take the device off and then focus on the other forms of recovery, uh, which are also important, like hydration, nutrition, sleep. Um, so this is a, a great addition to any recovery routine uh, in the sports performance field. The other thing that strikes me, the second question I had, which is I, I've kind of over the years been talking to relievers and the difficulty. There's been a, a, a kind of a struggle for relievers when they come to pro ball uh, from the amateur level, because it's, as you said, whether it's 162, 140, whatever level of professional baseball it is, making that adjustment, because if you're on the college level, let's say as a reliever, you kind of know you've got your lift days built in, right? Because you know, if you're on a college team, you're playing Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So you have kind of a natural schedule that allows you to stay strong during the season. And I've talked to relievers who say one of the toughest adjustments they have to make is trying to figure out when do I get my lifts in? What are my lift days? Because obviously as a reliever, just because you pitched yesterday doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to pitch today. But one of the things that strikes me with this is, is that this also kind of provides a little bit of a different way, again, a non-joint loading way to approach some of those things to try to keep your strength up in season as opposed to, again, you don't really want to put in a good lift on a day that it, on the day that you pitch or, but even if you've gone back to backs, do you, I'm asking you, cause you're the expert. I'm not. Do you want to put it a good lift on the next day after that? Or is that more of a need to be a recovery day at that point? Yeah, great question. Um, and from a performance standpoint, uh, we look at our athletes and the best thing that they can do physically is to be consistent in their training routine over the course of a season. Um, this suit, this technology <clears throat> allows us to make forward progress and stay on that consistent path throughout the long season um, without the added stress on the joints, tendons, ligaments. Um, so on those days that you're feeling down or you're throwing back to back or you've just played 20 days straight if you're a position player, um, you can simply pop the suit on once a week, twice a week, get a, a, a solid workout in, stimulate these muscle fibers, low intensity, activate all those muscles, um, and, and it leaves you feeling fresh. Uh, refreshed and 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 ready to perform at the highest levels. So you, you're able to make forward progress uh, over the course of a long season um, with this addition of this technology. With, with elite athletes and with developing elite athletes, also you said when you get down to the you know when you especially the, the high school the youth level as well. Is this an this and uh, you know when I I. I as a strength, you know, again, as someone to work, like, is this a, okay, you're going to do lifts on these days. You're going to use catalysts on these days. Is it a yes. And, or is it a replacement for, or how do you kind of, is it integrated with weight pro, you know, with, with a weight program or, or how do you kind of use it that way? Yeah. Yeah. So I would simply uh, include this technology, include this suit uh, into the program that you're already doing. Uh, so if they're working out twice a week, maybe use this midweek uh, for kind of a deload, um, you know, at the, uh, you know, at the major league level with, with so many games, uh, practice and taking batting practice each and every day, ground balls each and every day, traveling all around the country. Um, you know, you can use this suit once a week and then do your strength training once a week. Um, so while you're on the road, 
uh, same same concept. You can travel with it. It's very easy to travel with. You pop it up wherever you are. Um, you can do a full workout. You know, two or three days later, maybe you stress the body with uh, traditional strength training to their traditional plyometrics. You know, three days later, you hop in a suit again, so you can kind of rotate it through. Uh, you know, every coach is going to be a little bit different on how they utilize this technology in the suit, uh, and that's what's great about it. There's no right or wrong way. Um, you know, you can use it twice a week, three times a week. You know, you can use it, uh, you know, for two weeks. This is what we're going to do for the next two weeks. We're going to do it twice a week and then do some traditional strength training. Uh, so you can kind of mix and match and blend the two together, and that's why I really like uh, this technology. So AJ, maybe yes, maybe two, two things here. So one thing I have to clarify, um, start start with the bad news. Uh, the, the FDA has cleared us for adults. So we're basically mm -hmm. 18 and above. So that's okay, 18 that's and above. where we are above. Like, so that's currently what it is. Um, there, there's an argument to be made that not loading the bones for younger athletes has actually benefits um, because they're not fully set yet. And, you know, um, but again, we're not, we're not there yet. So we're going to have to, um, do more research and, you know, prove that, that that's a good clarification. I was unaware of that. So thank yeah, you yeah. for so, clarifying uh, that. Just, just wanted to like, so for now yeah. we can, we can only do 18 plus, obviously, um, our goal is to help as many humans as possible. So, you know, uh, down the road with, with more scientific, uh, insights, like we, we hope we can, uh, get maybe down to like 16 or maybe even 14, but at, as of now, uh, it's for adults only. Um, what, what you guys have been describing is so, so there are different training modes. Like what does that mean? So the, the muscles is, are first of all, built from like two different type of muscle fibers. So we have the slow twitch muscle fibers and the fast twitch muscle fibers. Uh, generally when we just like lift, like, you know, this, like, you know, when we just do like easy motions, we just use our slow twitch muscle fibers, um, at real speeds, which are important, like with a lot of like pro athletes and, and very high loads, uh, the fast twitch muscle fibers come in. The challenge with that is we need like, Joe, you know, there's like, you know, like we need high loads or like, you know, very fast speeds to like even train these. Um, what we have with the Catalyst training system, and this is what Joey described as the power uh, development. Like, so we can um, modulate the signal that we're sending to the body uh, so that we can trigger certain types of muscle fibers. So we can either say like we want to focus on the slow twitch muscle fibers, which is the strength mode. So like create general strength and endurance, like, you know, hold something for a long period of time. Or uh, we can say we go towards the power mode where the signal is going so fast that the fast twitch muscle fibers are um, reacting together with the slow twitch muscle fibers and don't have time to relax. So they're also building a full tetanus together with the slow twitch muscle fibers. And that is a huge benefit because we can train the fast twitch muscle fibers and can train speed and power uh, without having high loads, without having high speeds. And um, as Joey said, like those are injury risk, uh, you know, exercises generally. Uh, and not traditionally, you would load your joints and ligaments quite a bit in, in these exercises. So what Joey was describing is like we're able to do this consistently and and increase even uh, the performance th throughout a season because we don't have to make this trade-off. We don't have to make this trade-off, okay, we want to train the muscle, but we can't load the joints. So this trade-off basically pretty much goes away. Um, in the recovery mode that you guys were talking about earlier today is we are just creating a slow pumping sensation on the muscle, which 
is promoting blood flow, uh, lymphic flow, and so on and so forth. So basically get the right nutrients in and get the lactic acid and you know, waste products out of the muscle. That's, that's really what the different modes are doing. We also have a, a cardio mode. So if you want to you know, increase, increase your cardiovascular performance, um, this is just a partial um, muscle contraction. So you still have control over your muscles, but you have kind of like twitches around your body. But because you have twitches around your body and your full body around big muscle groups, there's a lot of ATP burn that's basically happening. So your cardiovascular system is just catching on. Um, so also when you do uh, want to do intense cardio training, but you don't want to go for a run because you want to don't load your knees or don't want to go on a bike like too heavy, um, you can do like, you know, light bikes and whatsoever. And then I do this, for example, with an assault bike um, and then superimpose uh, the catalyst uh, suit on top of it. So uh, it's it's you can literally take it how far you want without completely loading um, your, your joints and ligaments, uh, but still have a high cardiovascular load. So if you really want to do intervals and VO2 max training and, and so on and so forth, um, you can you can totally do this. So it is it is it is like as Joey described, like an additional tool set for the trainer. So they can like add add this on. And and last but not least, like one one additional point I wanted to make is the mental load is also relatively low. So when you're doing bench presses, you need to focus, you need to get the right form, you need to mentally be in the muscle to really get a good bench press. Um, here we're not benching anything, you don't have to stabilize anything. Like, you know, it, it's mentally much easier to do so. Um, so what I got, you know, what some, some athletes and, you know, high professionals like told me, like on days where they're mentally exhausted, uh, the only task I have is to get into the suit. And then I hit go, and then I just basically follow along and get carried through the through the exercise. So even if I'm not mentally there and fully in the muscle and fully controlled, I still get a really good workout. Um, which, like for you know those days when I'm mentally, I, I really don't want to do something. Like okay, the only task is take it to your hotel room or like hotel gym, like get it on and 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 do it. And and that's another benefit. And uh, what we see. Um, with athletes and non-athletes is it makes you just skip one thing less like you know it's like instead of like ah oh, no not today or like you know do it half uh half the way it's like you, you can still totally do that and and also as you said the thing that does jump out with it also is is you're doing 20 minutes and you hear that and you go well that can't be and then at the end of the 20 minutes you realize how much you're dripping mm -hmm. uh and and how much even though it's yeah. been 20 minutes, it's something where you're like, okay. And then you wake up the next day and go, oh, that, that really, I, I definitely feel that. And, but I did want to ask kind of like, you're an also kind of to explain a little further, someone hears this and they hear electrostimulation. So I'll give the partial description. And I'll kind of hand it off to you, which is, so this suit has all these basically pads inside of it that you, you wet so yes. that you have a good contact. Yes, and then you have kind of this under this this basically I would describe it as underwear that you wear under it that you then zip the suit up and you have pads that also go on your your arms so that you kind of have those and then there's a pack there's yes. this pluggable rechargeable pack that you just basically plug into a standard cell phone charger plug it in and then it's charged and then you kind of tuck that on your side but. I think also when someone hears this, they may go, okay, 
then does it feel like that I'm just being like that I've stuck my hand in a uh, electrical socket or how would you describe, which I would say that the answer is no, but you definitely also do know that something is going on. Yeah. But how would you describe it since you're the one who's been using it the longest? Yeah. So, so, um, I mean, electricity comes in a million different shapes and forms, right? So, um, it, it's not the socket and it's not the car battery. By the way, the car battery is much worse than the socket, right? So don't don't yes. touch the car battery. Like, you know, don't really do that. So it's a it's a fraction of that. So we're talking like milliamps, like we're talking like really, really um, low currents here um, that are very similar to, mm, so to what your body is basically already using. The um, so so again, like how do you how do you use this? So we have a two piece suit, which is a, a base layer, kind of like an underwear, and then there's the you know tech suit, so to so, so to say, on top of that. And the reason why we built this in a, in this two two piece way is is for multiple reasons. The first one is uh, when you're traveling with a suit and you're using this on multiple days on a travel, um, the base layer like you sweat into that one, like you know you just get really you really sweat into this. Like the thing is drenched afterwards. Like you know absolutely. And um, and you want to be able to change that out. So the suit comes with two base layers, and like people who use it a lot buy four. So you basically like have stuff that you exchange out. The um, the other thing that our multi-piece suit and you described like so we have a vest, we have a um, shorts section, and then we have like arm straps. What that allows us to do is humans come in very different shapes and forms, um, shapes and sizes. So um, we we can literally fit anybody. Um, and, and that is because we basically take your measurements and then we build your suit together. Um, the impulse pack is, is a massively miniaturized version of these big consoles that, you know, trainers used to use or like still use. Um, and that basically controls all the different areas of your body separately. So there's 26 pads on the inside of the suit and each of these, uh, two always work together. So two on the right pack, two on the left pack, two on the right arm to on the left arm and so on and so forth. And during the workout, depending on what you're working on and what you're doing, these fire in, in different sequences at different at different signals. So the way it feels is depends on the on the workout mode. So like I said, so starting with the recovery, it feels like a like a pumping. Like you know, your your, your body is like pumping once a second. Um and then uh, it's more like, you know, like a tremor, like, you know, on the, on the cardio mode. Um, and on the, on the other modes, it's more like a, it's like a, a strong grip or like it's, it's, it's like a distance. Joey, how would you describe it? Yeah, on that, yeah, it's like a, a big impulse, so to speak, on that, on that, uh, on that mode. Yeah. It's kind of like, you're, like you're, your body's like firming up. You're like, you're really yeah. there. So... So the body's all the, the the suit is also very tight. It has to be like worn really tight against the body so that you don't lose contact. Um, and uh, yeah, it's like it's. I have this analogy that I that I use very often. So like both of you guys have done it. So for us, the conversation is much easier as if someone who's never done this before. Um, and by the way, like the moment we put any athletes doesn't mean what sport whatsoever like any people who have a good connection with their body they get into this 10 seconds in 30 seconds in they're like i get it if you have people that are untrained they're like what is this why is this why is my arm moving why is this that's a different like d 
different levels, but people who have contact to their body, they're like, oh, do this, do this. Like, like it's, it's so interesting, like, you know, how, how that is because um, athletes already have a good understanding of their body and have a good body-mind connection or muscle-mind connection. So the analogy is, is chocolate. So if none of you guys ever had chocolate, and I would explain it to you, like, you know, it's this dark thing that comes from, it comes in form of butter, and, and it could be very dark and bitter, or it could be quite sweet, and I can make, like, a drink out of it. I can put it on ice cream, or I can put, like, cayenne pepper on it, and then I can eat it in hot. What are you talking about, right? So it's like, if you never had chocolate, it's a really, really hard concept. So what I would say is, it feels like a, you're, you're kind of like under under pressure, like or underwater, or like you know, it's a little bit like you know, everything is 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 very tense and it's very you know um, active, and and when I do a biceps curl, for example, my biceps works against my triceps, so that's really where the resistance is coming from because all your body is firing. So now you have an eccentric motion on the triceps and a concentric motion on the biceps, which is the positives and the negatives that we actually want. So so why are you doing like just this motion? You're basically doing two exercises in one. Uh, you're doing the, the, the triceps exercise and the biceps exercise, and you're doing it with positives and negatives. So it is it is a really... Yeah, it is an intense feeling uh, in a positive way because you really connect with your body. It, I think that's... Especially because you, you also... You're, you're running this off an iPad. Yes. And you also can ramp how uh, what what level you're doing so you can and you can do that obviously you could say okay i want to focus more on arms versus more on legs versus more on whatever and yeah I, jj I, very I will, good point we haven't yeah. really explained that yet right so the whole system is controlled by an ios app that either runs on your ipad or your iphone and uh it this this has uh two that there's two functions of that the one is as you described the individual adjustments of how your suit is working. So everybody has his own profile and people say, I want a little bit more on the glutes and I want less on the hamstrings and I want more on the arms and less on the abs and so on and so forth. So you're creating like, think of a, an old sound system that had this equalizer, like, you know, in bass and highs and mids and whatsoever. So you're basically doing the same thing for your body. So you're basically building your equalizer profile for your body. And then the... Um, the app comes uh, in basically you have, you have two opportunities um, to, to use the system. The one is we have hundreds of workouts for different goals. Um, rotational speed, racket sports, uh, ACL injury prevention, like, you know, lower body, upper body, like yoga stretching, recovery. Like we have like a, a, a huge variety of, of different workouts. And in these workouts, sorry, in these workouts, um, a trainer uh, takes you through um, exercises that you're supposed to do, but they are also controlling partially the profile of the workout with your suit. So when the trainer on the screen is saying like, hey, we take it up a notch, your suit is reacting. It's a very, very immersive experience um, because the trainers then control uh, the profile of the intensities uh, personalized to you based on your equalizer settings. Um, the other mode is basically like a freestyle mode where the pulses are coming in, there's a certain ramp and you can combine it with whatever you're doing. Like, you know, if you're doing like your own workouts, your own exercises, if you get on your assault bike or like you know, whatever you want to control it with, we have freestyle modes for like all the different training aspects. 
Um, and, and, and that's basically how the iPad is controlling. The iPad is kind of like the brain, and then the impulse pack is the heart of the experience, so to say. So the impulse pack makes this all fire and like you know takes the signals from the from the iPad and then makes this all work. Um, it also measures about a thousand times a second, like you know how the connection is with your body and like, constantly adjusts that, um, which is which is very important for a consistent experience. Um, but the iPad is, is is controlling it, and you always have the opportunity to say I want more here and less there, and so on and so forth, which. Uh, and an additional aspect, let's say someone has an injury and they say, uh, I want to, let's say we have a hamstring injury and I still want to stay, you know, training and stay active. Um, what we can do is you basically like train all muscle groups, but you mute or reduce the, the intensity on your hamstrings. So now you can like, you know, stay, stay training, but, you know, just take it out uh, for a certain muscle group. And then over time, you know, being a, bring it back in as you're healing kind of along those lines joey when, when you're talking about you know with elite athletes and all that is it more like is it the workouts or is it more like okay designing a you know with the, the freestyle component of it that allows kind of to almost kind of invent things as far as how we're going to use it yeah um i would use the combination of both of them uh you know it frees up that coach to run the uh, athlete through a various variety of different exercises um or you can simply um just like some of our athletes use other pieces of equipment that have some uh you know technology built in such as like a peloton same thing you can set up the app in say the weight room or the training room and you can have their athlete go ahead and do that program while you're working with other athletes around and then kind of keep your eye on uh, the one athlete using the suit and monitor that uh, and then when they're finished you can help them um you know, uh, take everything off and hang it up to dry. And, um, um, so to speak with that one thing too, uh, that I found very helpful, um, in enhancing performances is just like you mentioned earlier, the days where you don't feel like training, you put the suit on, you take the suit off and you feel incredible. You feel amazing. Those days you go perform an actual workout right after being in the suit um, you know, you can increase your strength, increase power uh, during those days. Um, and then also on the other side, you putting the suit on, say, in recovery mode or a lower intensity mode prior to an athletic event should be able to go out and enhance the performance. Um, so you can put it on and I can see players putting this on, walking around the clubhouse, listening to their music, going through their stretching and their mobility exercises prior to uh you know, an elite game or elite competition, taking the suit off, putting their uniform on and then going out to the field and playing. And you just feel incredible 100%. 100%. after being in the suit. Yeah. It's amazing. Hey, you're waking, you're waking up the nervous system. You're waking up all your muscles. Like you're like, Hey, here we go. Here we are. Like, it's literally an ideal warm up. It's, it's yeah. We, we had this with, uh, with some athletes like, um, that were very early, uh, with us, uh, two years ago when we, when we basically were able to ship the product for the first time. And, and this was in soccer and, uh, they literally said like, you know, Hey, I put this on 10 minutes before, like do it very light, do like some movements, like, you know, get rate of motion in, get really the blood flowing. And then, you know, I put my cleats on and get on the field and it's like killer. It was like late in the career individuals, um, thinking like after a hamstring injury was one, for example, saying like, this is over. And then he ended up playing every minute of the season. 
So it's just like, you know, first of all, like that, but then also like not getting into an injury again, like so because you're warm, like your, your muscles are there, like, you know, you're really there. Um, yeah. And, and as Joey said, like the low mental load, you can just focus on something else and still you're like feeling like really, really good. Again, that's, that's what jumps out about it. It was a fascinating topic to me because I had never really, I, again, I had heard of Eastem. I had heard of the fact of like, okay, this player is trying to recover from this injury. And so they're getting some Eastem, but I had not heard about it being here in the States. I had not heard about it in something in a different way, in a way that is a proactive, not a reactive way of, of using electrical stimulation. Um, I, I do want to ask both of you guys, as I often do on these, is there anything we didn't cover? It's like, hey, you, you missed out like that. We should be covering this. I'll, I'll start with you, Bjorn. You know, is there something that we didn't cover or? Good I did want to get the, the what it felt like, because I do think that that's something that if you've heard, if you're hearing about this for the first time, that is, and I, I don't have a great way to describe it other than when you're done, the way I would also describe it is, is you know, you, you feel that those muscles have been very much activated, energized, hundred percent in a way that's it's hard to fully. No, you feel wobbly. I, I feel like wobbly after this. Like you know, I, mm -hmm. I really have the post workout endorphin rush that I would have if I'm in the in the gym. Like I, I really have that, and uh, like you you feel accomplished. That's that's really an interesting thing. Like you know, you you fight through this thing, and there's some swearing involved sometimes. Like you know, <laughs> towards the later uh, you know stages of this, and um, and uh, yeah, the, the, the other thing that I really, really love as a, as a heavy travel person, like, you know, I, I have a, I don't know, 120, 130, uh, maybe even more, probably, uh, nights in hotels a year, like I have a 100 flights a year, like stuff like that. So like on this heavy travel schedule, just like packing this into your carry on, taking it out of it, <coughs> uh, taking it out in the in the hotel room, just getting something done and take a shower and go. it's just, it's just so amazing. Like, you know, for someone who, who's really on a tight schedule and, and mentally busy with something else. Um, I'm, I'm absolutely excited about this and, and you can like keep training your muscles without joint issues. Right. That's like, for me, it's like, I have like, um, I had a knee surgery. I have a lower back issue, but I'm in the best shape of my life. But anything else we didn't cover, Joey, as far as from the training component? Um, no, on my side, I mean, just emphasizing, you know, the various forms that you can use this technology, this suit, you know, in the recovery setting, uh, from a performance standpoint, uh, you know, you can use it for, you know, uh, training, either strength training, building uh, muscle, developing power, um, and then using it as a primer or like a pre-competition uh, type of activation. Uh, so there's so many different modes you can use this um, and, 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 and the creativity is uh, exceptional. You can use it, uh, you can do the workouts that, it, that they have already on the app or you can uh, customize your own, um, you know, the cardio setting. So there's so much involved um, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a game changer. But, well, thank you both for joining me. That is uh, Bjorn Wolterman and Joey Greeny, who, as we talk about here about Catalyst. So thank you for joining us here on the Baseball America Tech in Baseball portion of the Baseball America podcast. Wonderful.
mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.